Live from the Tech Talk Studios hey. in the nation's capital and the heartland of America. It's Tech Talk. Well, it's Friday, and I know it is your favorite time of the week. I'm Brad Koss. This is Tech Talk. My co-host, Dr. Jay Greenstein. Jay, buddy, Brad. how are you doing? You're back home. You're back home this week. I am back home. Thank goodness. Everything, everything, you know, went pretty well when I was in California with my dad. So for the audience that doesn't, that don't know, like my dad fell and broke his hip. He had surgery, uh, but he's, and he's 90 years old. So he's kind of an old guy, but um, he's tough as nails. And um, I think he's getting out of the hospital today or tomorrow. He'll go to an acute rehab facility and, uh, and he'll keep working to get back on his feet, literally. Dude, that is, I know what that feels like. I had a knee replacement, as you know, a few weeks yes. ago. And uh, I started physical therapy today. I, I have been beating myself up at working, you know, four or five hours a day on it. And, and it's great because I've got it way ahead, but my PT was saying, slow down, dude. You know, you're just going <laughs> too fast and uh, slow down a little bit. You'll, you'll get there. And uh, so I'm excited to be able to do that past that big first few weeks of pain, man. And yeah. but, uh, I'm glad to be back here with you guys, too. We've got a great guest uh, today, Jay. Why don't you yes, introduce Crystal and let's get started with the podcast. Well, I am super excited. And I was just talking about this with Crystal and Brad just before we went live. But we have Crystal Meisenheimer. Did I say your last name correctly? You did. Yeah. All right. Uh, and, and I've learned about Crystal and all the great work she's doing in chiropractic um, for some time now. And we had a call recently talking about the future of my practice. Like, where's my practice going? You know, Brad, I'm getting older. I'm getting up there in the years. No kidding. I'm getting long in the tooth, my friend. I don't know what's no happened. Kidding. I was 18 like three weeks ago. And now I'm like old. But like, anyway, we, were, we had this great conversation about succession planning and like, what, what is my next step? And, um, and I've heard great things about Crystal and her company. And so I was like, God, we got to get you on the podcast. So Crystal, welcome. So glad we got you here. And maybe we could just start by you sharing a little bit about yourself and how you got into this space around advising chiropractors about their next best step. Yeah, absolutely. So thanks so much for having me, of course. I'm excited to be here. So my husband and I founded our company, which is Progressive Practice Sales, I mean, it was about seven years ago, and it was after we sold our third chiropractic practice. And um, so we owned and operated all three of them and sold them three different times. And it was it was really complicated and hard and so much work. And the help that we got was not sufficient. And, you know, we were I have a business degree. My husband's always been really passionate about the business side of the practice. And we were like, oh, my gosh, you know, this is hard for us. Imagine how it is for the people that just want to be doctors and they just want to take care of patients. Yeah. And so, um, you know, my husband was pretty burnt out on patient care after the third one. And so we said, well, you know what, let's go in and let's serve that community and let's help them in a way that we never were. And so it really, everything was just um, built from that drive to really come in and support chiropractors. And so that's who we've specialized in. And we have people come to us all the time from other industries and they're like, we love what you do. It's so much better than what is in our space. And I've really been committed to just sticking with chiropractors because there's such a need um, for the service in this community. And I don't really want to dilute that. So so that's kind of our background and um, 
Yeah, it's her story. And so, Crystal, I didn't, I didn't know. Are you, are you a chiropractor also, or, or your husband? It sounds like your husband's a chiropractor, but were you as well? No, no, I actually met him because I was thinking about becoming a chiropractor, but um, I, I, I don't have the science brain for it. Unfortunately, <laughs> my brain is strictly business. <laughs> well, it served you well for sure. Yeah. You know, Crystal, uh, I was reading your bio here, and. Uh, we got to get into the nitty gritty, and I see that you're a graduate from Baylor University. Uh oh, uh oh. And you know, typically, <laughs> in another few episodes, and Jay and I have a whole segment on college football every week. Did you know? See, you're oh. not listening to TikTok, and you're going to have to go back and listen. <laughs> but Jay is a huge Ohio State fan, oh. and I am in your conference. I'm an Oklahoma State University Cowboy. Oh. So I have con. Converted Jay a little bit to where he's rooting for the Cowboys now. I so okay. uh, you, maybe it's good that you weren't here in the fall because we might have to <laughs> get on to the um, Baylor part of it. You know, Baylor's really grown up in the last decade. I got to be honest. Yeah. They, uh, you know, it used to be Baylor was the one everybody wanted to play at homecoming because they were such an easy win. <laughs> And now, look, yeah. they were leading in football championships and doing great in basketball. Uh, just, it's really grown up. You know, it's funny. When I was at Baylor, I remember we won a game against UT. And it was such a big deal yeah. that the entire stadium rushed the field and tore down yep. the, the goalpost and carried it all the way across Waco. <laughs> it's legendary. I remember, we just didn't have Yeah, it. I remember that. I remember that game. That was, <laughs> that was great. I think it's funny because any team that beats UT, it seems like it's a huge deal and a big deal. And I think UT's terrible. So, uh, so I'm I'm there rooting for you when you're playing UT and, and OU. I'll root for you uh, yeah. when you're playing OU every day too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I actually I I think I agree with you, Brad. Baylor has like has gotten so much oh, better yeah. since when I was a kid. And like when they changed their uniforms, I know that sounds really weird, but like I loved their new uniforms. Now the the recent ones these past year, those like bright green ones, I don't love those as much. Little fluorescent. But man, they had you? those great gold helmets and they had the white <laughs> helmets. They had the matte green helmets. I've got an RG3 helmet downstairs that's signed, you know, when he won the Heisman. So uh, I, I got a, you know, I got some strong affection for Baylor, but they're playing Oklahoma State. I got to go with my guy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Crystal, so, so Crystal welcome. To, oh, sorry, go ahead. That's okay. Welcome today. And, you know, this subject matter's been the topic for a few of our episodes where we're really helping Kairos understand the business side of this and that there is a progression that you need to go through when you're developing your business, designing your business, building rules, protocols, and then when you're preparing yourself for the ultimate sale of that business. And it's amazing how many chiropractors are it's amazing to me how many business people don't really understand that progression and they want to wait to the last minute and uh, even well I'm I'm going to pass it on to my son it's still you still have to have an exit strategy you have to be prepared for even that side of it and you can't wait to the last minute for that to occur or you're going to lose out um, mm-hmm. and, and it happens Jay and I were talking about that with another guest you, you know the the multiplier of revenue uh, when you're selling a business that's very well oiled and organized and ready to sell is much greater than somebody that's just not prepared for that. So I'm very interested today to hear your take on that and and what you think and what you believe in that. Well, 
I could probably teach like a year long course on this. You know, I mean, I could really, really kind of get going. So definitely interrupt me if I, if I no, go on good. too long, but you know, the, it, it is really sad. We get a lot of doctors that come to us that have not taken the time to think about it. And, um, you know, then they've come into a situation where they've got a health issue or burnout, which is, you know, getting burned out on your business is one of the most toxic things that can happen. It's so hard to give your business what it needs to continue to thrive when you just emotionally are not there anymore, um, not in the game. So uh, so it, it really is critical to think about it in advance and doctors really are resistant to it. I mean, even doctors we talk to that are, you know, thinking about, you know, having some kind of exit in, you know, three years or so, we're like, oh, great, you're at the right place. Like, let's do an exit strategy valuation for you. Let's figure out exactly what you've got so we can optimize it because you have the perfect amount of time to optimize this. And they're still really hesitant. And I think it's because it feels bad to think about the end of that chapter. I think that the connection that you have with your patients is so strong. I think you get so much professional validation from your practice that it feels really, really bad to think about it and they would just prefer to put it off. Um, but the truth is, is that business sales, even transfers to, to children or associates, it, it does not just happen. It's not a something that organically flows into place and you kind of think, oh, it's done. That, that doesn't happen. It's a lot of work, a lot of preparation. And the more time you have to optimize it, um, the better your outcome is going to be because your value is going to be based on two things. It's going to be based on your profit. And then it's going to be based largely on how transferable that is. And then everything else, you know, kind of comes in to support those two things. And so if you can take a really strategic standpoint around increasing that profitability and making it as transferable as possible to the largest number of people possible, then you have something that is going to really support you. Um, and then the one other thing that I would say is that a lot of doctors don't really realize that service businesses, you know, at, until you get to a certain threshold of profit, you know, you can really start to get into some some stronger multiples as you get larger and larger. But a lot of clinics, you know, they're the multiples that they sell at are not necessarily going to fully fund your retirement. And so, you know, you've got to you've got to be saving along the way. You've got to be thinking about that because, you know, if you have a practice that is generating, you know, two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars a year of profit, you probably have a pretty good life. You know, that's taking care of you and it's taking care of your staff and you're doing great, but you don't you're not necessarily going to retire off of the proceeds from that sale. And so taking the long term view on that, too, so that when you get to that point, you're able to sell and be happy with what the market will sustain because it's all about the market. And I know I know in those cases where doctors really start early in that systemization of the business and and yeah. protocoling of it. They actually end up getting back to the practice of taking care of patients and get their fingers out of the business side of it. And really, they enjoy the practice much better once that process has occurred. And that's always been my message to them is do it early. Do it in the beginning so that as you move along, you're really putting yourself where you need to be and you're putting the business in the side that it needs to be and everybody knows what needs to be taken care of. That's pretty good um, uh, knowledge, isn't it, Crystal? I mean, don't you agree with that's the way to do it? 
Yeah, no, I absolutely do. And I think it's something that people, when they're buying businesses, they don't think about enough is all of those systems and procedures. And, um, you know, I think back to, you know, when we were starting this brokerage, it took us probably, you know, a year and a half to two years to figure out the best way to pre-qualify buyers. Not too early, you know, so that they were getting angry about us asking for it and not too late. So the sellers were, you know, upset. Just that perfect time and the perfect way to track it. Two years, you know, I mean, and you think about all the things in your business that you have to figure out that sweet spot. A buyer coming in and buying a really well-oiled machine, they save so much time and, and so much, you know, effort and, and brain power from not having to reinvent those wheels. Absolutely. And Jay, I know you're you're itching to jump in and ask a question, but we're at a great break spot. Let's take yes, a quick break and you bring us back and, and let you jump into the conversation. You're listening okay. to Tech Talk. I'm Brad Koss, my co-host, Dr. Jay Greenstein. Our guest today is Crystal <laughs> Meisenheimer of Progressive Practice Sales. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. And now to a tragic news story. We just learned that a chiropractor recently called his EHR company for help after being forced into yet another platform transition. And the wait times were so egregious, the doctor died while on hold. Our sources tell us he was put on hold for over 176 hours. Apparently, the staff had left early to take advantage of all the extra fees they charge. Ever wonder where all those nickels and dimes go? Don't let this happen to you. PayDC offers its all-inclusive software for one low monthly fee, backed by a team that both respects and empowers chiropractors and their staff. Sign up for a free software demo below and see how Rebels do EHR. Stop. Follow. 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 Hit that follow button and spread the love with Tech Talk. As a Cairo Health USA provider, we're excited to work with you to identify which of your discounts are good, bad, or illegal. Most chiropractors bend over backwards to make their care affordable. Unfortunately, Dual fee schedules, false claims, inducement violations, and time of service discounts can all put you at risk. And, no offense, everybody's doing it doesn't work with auditors. At Kyra Health USA, we're here to help protect and grow your practice. Just listen to our provider stats 20% overall practice growth versus 2019. Over 50% of CHUSA patients renew their membership year after year. Over 2,500 patients per month use our provider's search directory to find a CHUSA provider. At Cairo Health USA, our purpose is simple. It's to improve the quality of life for our doctors, their teams, and their patients. With over 5,000 providers and nearly a million patients, Cairo Health USA is the network that works for chiropractic. For more information, call 888-719-9990 or visit www.chirohealthusa.com. Starting your weekend outright with the data jocks of talk. It's TikTok. 
What's up, everybody? It's Dr. J here, and I'm with my very good friend, Mr. Brad Cost, and my friend, Crystal Meisenheimer of Progressive Practice Sales. Um, this has been an awesome learning experience so far, and I'm just like completely enthralled in some of the things that you've talked about today, Crystal, because you know when you mentioned transferability being a really important component of being able to exit, um, you know, I immediately thought, yeah, like, like the provider should not always be so attached to the business that when you know they're trying to sell, they're the most important person in the room, and the patients only want to stick with that provider. And so, is it, you know, therefore they're not transferable. But but maybe that's not the case. So is that a myth? Like you bring in an associate so you can demonstrate that the owner doesn't have to be there, and it's easier to transfer. Is that a myth? And also, like, what are the other two or three myths that? chiropractors have in their brains about being able to actually sell their practices at the highest possible value? Yeah, oh, that's a great question. So the associate question is a great one because that really can be very beneficial. And you have to set it up properly because if you set up the associate in the office um, in certain ways, it can actually hurt your practice transferability. So for example, not setting up the non-compete properly that really does impact um, the buyer in that they are very nervous that you know all the patients will just leave and go to the doctor they already know if the associate doesn't stay with the buyer. Um, so that's certainly something. And then another problem can actually be paying the associate too much. Mm. And that's something that we see when doctors you know really want to have the associate by the practice. And so they might give them a higher salary so that they can save more, pay off debt, be in a better situation to get the loan. And I've talked to those doctors and they're like, well, you know, I make a great salary and I have no responsibility. Um, you know, so why would I give that up? Yeah. And of course, that was never the intention. So, you know, you do have to be careful with that. But, but truly, you know, having a doctor that loves being an associate, doesn't have ownership aspirations, but loves being an associate and has a great position that is very transferable. An investor can come in and buy that. And as soon as you hit the realm of like investor interest, the multiples that you can sell your practice really change because investors, um, you know, they don't have the same constraints as chiropractors. They don't have that student loan debt. They're not looking at things, you know, from a practice model only, they're looking at it as a return on investment. And so they're gonna be comparing it with other business opportunities in the marketplace and chiropractic does tend to have an attractive multiple um, as compared to a lot of other businesses they might be looking at. And the reason why those multiples are more attractive is because the business chiropractic practices tend to be less scalable and they tend to be less transferable. And so, you know, the better you can get on transferability and on scalability, the better multiple you're going to be able to get. That's great. Sorry. And, yeah. and what are some of the other myths though? Well, I think the, the biggest myth that, um, that we sort of counteract frequently is that the best plan for most doctors is to find a doctor to put into the practice who eventually is going to buy it out. And there's a lot of benefits to that model. It's very comfortable for the doctor because they get to really get comfortable with the person who's taking over, the patients, the, the staff, everyone gets to kind of train this doctor before they take over. But the truth is, is that it's, it's such a long-term transaction and rarely is it set up right from the beginning. Usually it's, um, you know, there's, it's very informal, you know, someday we're going to do this and there's no structure to it. There's no guidelines. There's no formalization of expectations and how we're going to meet them. 
And so they actually have a very low closing rate. Um, that it's probably the, the number one thing that we see fall apart and that we see people come to us trying to get us to help them put it back together. So, um, so for the vast majority of doctors who, you know, are owner operators, the best sale model for them is really going to be listing it in the open marketplace to another owner operator who will buy it. And those kind of relationships can go south, right? Where you have an associate, they can go south and destroy the business before you can get back in and 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 recover it. And uh, then you've destroyed this whole history that, as the original owner, you've created. You've created that blue sky. You've created all the goodwill, all the patience. And a bad associate can destroy that pretty quick, and and then you're left with nothing. So, it, to me, that. I know that happens a lot, but um, man, I would it'd have to be the right situation set up and structured the right way with groups like yours uh, to be able to do that that in a good way, I believe. I know there's a movement today. There are some corporate things that are happening, acquisition kind of deals, and, and pretty aggressive, some of them that are growing uh, by hundreds of practices. Uh, Some of them are moving from insurance reimbursement kind of practice to cash kind of practices, changing up that mix in a lot of different ways. Do you have any words of wisdom or thoughts on those kind of sales that are happening? Yeah, it's, it's a really interesting time to be in this space because chiropractic is going through a consolidation and there's a lot of different players that are taking part in that. So you have like the sort of regional players that are trying to expand their clinic groups. And then you have sort of smaller investors that are just sort of buying around the country, maybe partnering with other doctors to get partial ownership. And everybody is trying to build up these groups of clinics to sell off to the next level up of investor. Because every time that you get your profit, and and depending on the type of practice you have and where you're at in, in this sort of hierarchy, your profit might be called discretionary earnings, or it might be called EBITDA. Um, as your your EBITDA, as you get into the investor space, gets higher and higher, the multiples get higher and higher. And it's just sort of, um, you know, they just keep rolling up these clinic groups and selling it to the next level up. So um, it, can, it can get pretty crazy. And so there's certain groups that, ha- you know, were already um, in this space, buying practices, setting up new locations, and they've been the ones who have been the most agile in being able to take advantage of this. So they're already, you know, working with private equity investors. And they already kind of have an infrastructure in place. So if you work with one of those groups, you already, you know, there's people who have done it. Um, there's a proven model. Because it's already in place, um, there's a little bit less upside because, you know, risk and reward are always going to be tied together. So Great since point. they've already kind of got their base level they're not necessarily paying the most premium pricing. Um, and the other thing to know is that more than likely the selling doctor is going to be staying on. So, you know, you do, you you get higher pricing than you would as, as an owner operator generally, but you get less freedom than if you sold as an owner operator. But as you get into these private equity groups that have just discovered this space, and they're thinking, oh my gosh, look at this. Look at all these um, these practices. And this is such a great opportunity because there's no real centralization in chiropractic. Everyone's, it's really a fragmented marketplace because everybody kind of does their own operations. And 
um, the thing that the, the thing that the private equity groups don't understand is that chiropractic, it's like some of the most complex businesses possible, you know, because you've got philosophy and technique and clinic model. And it's not like a radiologist where, you know, they can walk into any clinic and it's, you know, they're going to be able to get it. So, so they're really kind of getting their feet wet. I have yet to meet a private equity group that has done a chiropractic roll-up outside of these groups that were already buying chiropractic clinics to start with. So there's a lot of private equity groups that are kind of making the rounds and putting these big numbers out there and trying to entice doctors to work with them. Um, You just need to realize that it is the wild, wild west as far as that goes. I have heard from doctors who tell me they've lost upwards of $50,000, $60,000 in legal and you know, accounting expenses, trying to put one of these deals together. Um, I personally have assisted on due diligence on these and they've, you know, it can go on for six, nine, 12 months because it is a, it's an investment company. I mean, they're not going to take your, you know, owner operated financials and say, yeah, this is probably right. (laughs) You know, they're going to, they hire a professional CPA firm who's used to working with multi-million dollar companies and they come in in a team and they do this deep dive into your practice and I, the doctors are very overwhelmed by it. So there is a there is a good amount of potential for working with these groups, but it is not something that you can walk into and say, this is a for sure thing. Yeah, that, like we I, talked to, go ahead, Jess, go ahead. Yeah, we like talk, we, we touched on this in the beginning and it's like, for the doctors that are listening, I hope you can like literally read between the lines, which is get your shit together. Like literally like, <laughs> Your financials should, should match your, your, your practice management system. Like everything should add up in a way that makes it so seamless and so easy for these larger groups, investors or other buyers to say, yes, this group has their shit together. The financials make sense. This all adds up. The, the dots are connected and our due diligence is minimal. So this is a valuable practice to purchase. I mean, there's so many layers here. It's brand building. It's, it's, process management, it's culture. Like there's so many layers and you're right, Crystal, like you could spend eight hours on this and I think you should actually create a course because I think people would come. I do. It's a new business opportunity. Brad and I will invest in it. (laughs) You know, Jay, when we get back, I want to touch on what we're talking about, but go out a little bit in a bigger picture. You and I have talked about what's happening to the profession as chiropractic integrates more into healthcare, into primary care and some of those other things. Uh, when we get back, I want to talk a little bit with Crystal about her opinion of what is happening where you got all this corporate roll-up that's that's happening in the profession. Is that changing the direction? The is, are there headwinds there that's that's guiding the profession away from traditional healthcare, or the movement where you and I sort of believe that uh, chiropractic has a space for primary care kind of healthcare. And Crystal, I'd like to get your opinion when we get back. You're listening to Tech Talk with our guest today, Crystal Meisenheimer with Progressive Practice Sales. I'm Brad Koss, my co-host, Dr. Jay Greenstein. We'll be right back. Down, down, down. Let's slow it down. With the hot data jocks of talk. It's Tech Talk. Welcome to Infinity. We have worked hard to create an electronic claims website that is simple and user-friendly. This is the public side. You can log into your personal web portal here. 
This is your dashboard. You can personalize it to your liking here. Our main focus has been to allow you to submit and edit claims as easy as possible. You will find our claims editor and claims processing is simple to use and straightforward. Our quick action bar is where you can find your most important information. Most of these icons will take you directly to the claims the number represents. You can easily view if you have any messages in your inbox of any unread alerts by looking for these blue numbers. To view the rest of our training videos to get the most of your Infinity experience, click this icon. We hope you find this web portal simple and easy to use. Thanks for letting us serve you. Come on! And the data dock of talk is Tech Talk. Hey everybody, this is Dr. Jay Greenstein. This is Jay Greenstein. With me today is Dr. Jay Greenstein. Dr. Jay Greenstein. The world around us and healthcare specifically is changing at an exponential pace. Chiropractic is perfectly positioned like we have never been right now today to be more successful and to be more impactful for the communities and patients that we serve. There are all sorts of evidence-based guidelines that, that support the use of non-pharmacological approaches. But what I want America to know is that health doesn't come from a pill. It's our responsibility as healthcare providers to educate the community about the evidence that exists. We really need to have a private practice app, something that will help us engage with our patients in ways that they've never experienced before. The intersection of technology and quality care is where the future of healthcare is at, and I'm really excited to bring that forward in the future. Starting your weekend out right with the data jocks of talk. It's Tech Talk. Well, welcome back. It's Tech Talk. We've got a great conversation going on here with Crystal Meisenheimer. Crystal is a business genius, a lot of expertise in the chiropractic space, helping uh, put practices together for sale, uh, building those models that we talked about earlier on. Crystal, one of the things that Jay and I and some of our other guests have talked about over time is is the direction of the chiropractic profession. For me, I want them integrated into the regular healthcare, primary care uh, schema as much as possible because I believe conservative care is missing from that scene. And so I'm all about ramming them right into that kind of mentality. But some of this investment corporate, what I call corporate roll-ups of chiropractor may be taking that in a totally different direction, uh, especially when they're headed towards cash practice, which I'm okay with cash practice, but I don't think that's how you, I don't think that's how you do it and get involved and be considered an equal with primary care or some of the other specialties. You know, I think you got to move in next door to the primary care doctor. You got to move into the healthcare clinic uh, to be part of that space. What do you think about that? Is do you see a direction? Is that moving that just some of the corporate sales that are occurring? You know, it's actually really interesting because you know we saw a huge shift towards cash practices. You know, a few years ago, that's what everybody wanted. Everybody was trying to get out of insurance because you know, it's the reimbursement rates and it's just such a hassle and, you know, all of the audits and whatnot. But during COVID, uh, people got a lot happier about insurance. You know, they liked the sort of predictability and, you know, the recession proof aspect of that. And 
As we are talking to more and more of these groups, what we're finding is that they actually, some of them do have a cash model for sure. But as you get into these larger private equity groups, and they're the ones who are going to drive this, they are going to take over this space over the next, we don't know how long it'll last, probably at least five years. But, you know, they did this to dental. They did yeah. it to physical therapy. We're going to see it in chiropractic because that's where they're, they're looking now. They're going to drive the predominant model, and they are very interested in insurance because that's where, you know, that, that's where you can get middle America. You can get people who don't have a ton of discretionary income to be able to use these services. And so when we, you know, introduce them to people who are doing primarily cash services, they're actually really concerned about the yep. scalability of that model because how many people can afford services like this if we're just, you know, can we can only put it in upper income areas, we're going to cap out on the market that we can use because they're they are thinking the big game. So what's really interesting is that's also where all the power is, right? In private equity money. And so as you get into the higher and higher levels of that, you know, I think they have a lot of influence on the government. It'll be interesting to see if they're starting to be investing in stuff like this and they want to see better insurance reimbursements for their bottom line, if maybe that doesn't flip the table on that a little bit. So that's that's the long game I'm interested in. It's a great watching. point. Yeah, I'm a firm believer that there are other insurance models. You know, I've been working on value-based healthcare reimbursement for m multiple years now to show you know, if you take that slice uh, and use analytics to determine what doctors are the most efficient, insurance companies are willing to do that. Um, uh, some of the early models for accountable care were the dipping their toes into that model of, of saying, Let, if you'll produce and be efficient in seeing your patients and your outcomes are good analytically, we'll pay you more. And I believe that model is going to happen, and I think that's part of the corporate piece that they're looking at is if we get enough mass behind it, we can push that into occurring. Um, but I think if you step out of the reimbursement and, and go to solely cash only, I, I agree completely with you. You can only put so many straws in the cup and drink from it uh, before the cup's mm -hmm. empty, and it's going to happen much, much quicker uh, doing just cash only. And and we're going to see what's going to happen with inflation. Is inflation going to be with us for the next 10 years? If so, people are going to have to start asking for more money to do their services because their gas is costing more, or the heat's costing more, rent's costing more. You can't stay at that $40 cash visit and see it. You're just going to go to 60 It's going to go to 80 And then, then you're right. Patients just can't do that. Um, and, you know, it's just it seems like the inevitable. So there are a lot of... A lot of variables here that are happening in today's world over the next couple of years. Absolutely. Is that right, so Crystal? Is that right? Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree. This is a fascinating conversation and my brain is like turning right now because I'm I'm definitely seeing and, and you know, we've thought about this and you, Brad, you and I have talked about this a lot, like the ability for us to have leverage as a profession is really related to our ability to be like literally interconnected. So whether that's through um you know, some sort of a network that we own ourselves or whether it's through private equity that rolls up thousands of practices where we have leverage, where we can negotiate better contracts and pricing. Um, you know, it's gotta be one of those two things and maybe there's other models as well, but the lone wolf chiropractor has no power at no. all, like yeah. at all. So, yeah. um, so in that spirit and knowing that we want to share information with these docs on how they can best prepare for the future, what advice, what are the top three to five tips, Crystal, that you would give them that they can start doing like tomorrow? 
Yeah. So, well, so the first thing that you need to think about is <clears throat> transferability. And so if you have a clinic that is like really niche or if you have a model that um, depends really heavily on personal injury, those are hard clinics to transfer. And, you know, if you have a model where you don't get paid for several years, then what you have to realize is you're going to have to include a lot of those receivables in your sale so that the buyer is not, you know, cash flow negative. And you're probably not going to be able to build a ton on top of the price of what your value would be if you were a standard chiropractic clinic, because the the profit of the business is going to limit what a bank will lend on it. So, um, so definitely diversify your revenue streams if you are in one of those models that's going to make it hard for you to sell. Great. Um, I would also definitely concur with the idea that you need to clean up your books. Um, they, it, it's nothing that anybody really wants to think of. It's incredibly dry and boring, but it's, it's a lot of work. It's very time consuming. And if you can get them set up right now, then you can create a new model that will better track it so that when it does come time to sell, you know, and you're maybe feeling a little bit more time pressure because you're just ready, you're ready to be done. Um, you might even potentially have a buyer that you've talked with and you don't now have three, six months worth of data preparation. That's something people don't realize is it takes a ton of work to prepare a business for sale. And, um, and that's something that if you can do a little bit about in advance, you'll, you'll, tomorrow's you will thank today's you for sure. Um, and then I would also say, you know, shameless plug, um, get a, get an exit strategy evaluation of your practice, understand what your practice is worth today and understand the sales benefits that you have and the challenges that you have. Because even if you're only five years in business and you're not, you don't want to sell for 20, like, wouldn't it be better to build it now while you maybe have like a little bit more time or maybe your family's younger, you know, you've just got a little bit less on your plate. You will always feel busier and more strapped for time as your practice gets more and more established. And then it can be much harder to unwind some of those complexities if they have been in place for many, many years, your staff's used to doing it that way, the patients are used to it. You know, the earlier you can make those changes, the better, but definitely at least three years before you sell, if you can possibly take the time to do that, you will just, for many people, they'll optimize their return, but for some people, it will literally be the difference between selling or not. And, and that is really important. Forbes magazine says that 70 to 80% of businesses listed for sale do not sell. Yeah. Wow. That, that's a staggering number. Thought. Yeah. So Brad, I just want to yeah. repeat that for the audience because we're humans and we need repetition. Diversify your income stream. Make sure that you get your books together. Crystal said it so much nicer than she I did. did. <laughs> and three, she's make so much sure better looking you, than you are, dude. So well, I'm sorry, for sure, know. that's that's obvious. Come on. <laughs> um, and three, hire an expert to help you plan for your future. And if you do those three things, you're so much better off. So that was great advice, Crystal. Thank you so much. You know, Jay, we've talked a lot about doing payer audits. You know, preparing your practice for HIPAA, preparing your practice for for auditing from payers, kind of things. But we've really never put emphasis on a deep financial auditing. And, and in my industry, I've got to have that deep dive, certified uh, CPA, certified audit right. every year into a deep dive. So I always know financially where I'm at. That's why I've learned to understand cash flow. And, you know, I'm a cash flow king. Everybody will tell me because I, I grow businesses out of cash flow. But that's a good thing for for medical practices to do at least every five years 
get a certified CPA that does financial auditing and have them do a full-blown audit. It's going to cost you five grand, but it may be the best five grand that you've ever spent to understand where the holes are, what's happening financially to your practice or any business, and what you need to do to close the books because in the end, they're not going to believe you. They're going to go through and do their own <laughs> audit. And I trust me, it'll be different. Um, you talk about EBITDA. I have a whole separate partner financial that go to my partners every month that truly show EBITDA. They, they show what we're really making because uh, it is a little bit different set of books than what ultimately ends up at the CPA that goes to the IRS because that that's a whole different mentality. We're We're trying to... We're trying to squeeze every dollar out of what we get before it goes to the IRS. And it's not that we're cheating. I'm not talking about that. But what we actually make, what we charge off, what we do as business expenses, those kind of things get all rolled back into the number. And there is a real number when you when you take away the interest, when you take away some of the taxes and the pieces, you really understand what your business is making and what it's not. And yep. if you don't know what a bit is, you need to go Google that and find out. That's an important thing. You need to know at the end of every month what you're making in reality. Crystal, maybe you can just share with the audience really quick before we get your information so people can reach out to you. Um, what is EBITDA? <laughs> it's it's earnings before you have interest, taxes, de- taxes, depreciation, and amortization taken out. Okay. Thank so you for that. It's, it's a, it's, yeah, it's a measure of looking at profit. Um, for a business that is owner-operated, we think that something called discretionary earnings is a better measure of it because it takes into account more of that tax strategy that owner-operators are doing. It also adds back an owner's salary because an owner's probably taking it over. So, you know, different buyers, different financial metrics. Sure. And so that's another thing. There's so many rules of thumb out there that just kind of float around. Different consultants throw them out. You know, this time's gross, this time's net. None of those are really necessarily helpful at all. Like they, you know, the best of them might be right 30% of the time. Yeah. So it's really important to understand, um, you know, profit. There's about 17 different ways you can look at profit. Yeah. So I I think it's really, I think it's really cool. Thank you so much for being here today. I think it's really cool that you shared this knowledge with us. You know, from the time that I've spoken with you now twice before the podcast, one thing that resonated with me, Crystal, quite honestly, is that you seem to be very trustworthy. And when, when people are dealing with their businesses and the future of their businesses and the sale of their businesses, you, you want to work, work with people that you know, like, and trust. And I think, you know, you just seem very trustworthy to me. I would trust you with my sale. It's not happening yet, but, you know, we'll have conversations because we'll have continued <laughs> conversations because I am getting up there. But um, I just encourage the audience to reach out and, and talk to Crystal, like just have a conversation and, and get prepared for your future. So in that spirit, how can folks get a hold of you? Yeah, the best way to get in touch with us is to go to www.progressivepracticesales.com. On there, there's um, an inquiry form, there's an email address, there's a phone number. And um, you know, most brokerages, it's kind of hard to get in touch with a person, believe it or not, which is kind of funny, because that's kind of their point is to talk to buyers and sellers. But but we staff our office nine to five Eastern Standard Time, uh, Monday through Friday. So you can always call and talk to our client concierge team and, and, and they're definitely able to answer basic questions and get you scheduled for consults. So that's probably the easiest way to do it, but she'll also 
you'll see me around. I make the content circuit. I just did something with NCMIC, um, a big webinar on buying and selling. So awesome. there's certainly a lot of a lot of what my brain thinks about this topic out on the internet as well. That's great. Thanks, That's Crystal. Great. Crystal, thanks uh, for being with us today. Uh, again, this has been great. It's sort of a continuation of subject matter we've been talking about over the last couple of months. And you obviously are an expert in the field. So thank you for spending the hour with us. And I greatly appreciate it. Jay, it's uh, it's great to see you back at home again, buddy. And uh, thanks, man. We've Good got uh, the next next episode or so. We got to talk a little bit of football because there's some craziness going on. Uh, there's craziness in, going on in the in the leagues, dude. Uh, and by the way, I just want you to know that I just had my new flat screen TV installed, and I'm very excited. Very That's excited because my last did, TV was like 15 years old, and I'm like, it was dying. And I was did like, you buy I gotta, the, gotta get you, a new flat screen? Did you get a 90 inch? No, you know what? I got a sixty. I got a sixty-five inch, and I'm like, I should have gone seventy-seven, and I still might. I, can, I actually have time to exchange it out if I want. So. so we have a we have a ninety inch in the living room, but our favorite spot is downstairs. We have a movie theater, so it's a thirteen foot screen, and uh, <laughs> so you can. Uh, that's Kendra's favorite place to watch uh, sports, and of course we've got Dish. So she signed up for all college football, all college basketball. I love and, it. Uh, she I love it. is the sports. Uh, the sports nut in our family. I love sports and I love uh, football and basketball, but Kendry is so connected at the university and, and all the coaches. She knows them personally, uh, knows a lot of the players. So she's got an insight that's just amazing. And That's uh, awesome. Yeah. So anyway, Crystal, thank you a lot again. From my co-host, Dr. Jay Greenstein, I'm Brad Cost. Have a good day. See y'all. Listen to the future of healthcare. With the data jocks of talk, it's Tech Talk.